Well, good afternoon again. Uh, let me join my welcome to that of Nick's. Uh, welcome to Rotherham Evangelical Church. If you are visiting with us, there are some welcome cards at the back. Do feel free to fill them out and tell us a bit about yourself, how we can pray for you, uh, how we can keep in touch with you. Uh, but today we are continuing our study in the book of Ephesians. It's called Captivated. That's why it says the word captivated over my right hand shoulder. And we have, since about the beginning of September, managed to get as far as chapter 2. World and everybody, there's nothing like patience and persistence. That's what I like. Um, now, I know that some of you, well, certainly uh, Rich has had exams recently, and if uh, a couple of other views, I think, have had exams as well. So this was a story I came across from a Leadership Magazine, which I'm going to share with you, called Professor Makes the Grade. And this really appealed to me. I think this really illustrates the study today. Uh, so this is a quote from somebody. He's reporting on how he was. So this is quote. Uh, I needed more study time before my final exam in the youth ministry class at Hannibal LaGrange College. When I got to class, everybody was cramming revising. The teacher, Dr. Tom Hufty, apparently that's a real name, came in and said he would revise with us before the test. Most of his revision came from the study guide, but some things he said that I'd not heard. Mr. Hufty responded they were in the book and that we were responsible for everything in the book. We couldn't argue with that. Finally, it was time to take the test. Dr. Hufty said, please leave them face down on the desk until everyone has one and I'll tell you to start, was the instructions from the professor. When we turned them over, to my astonishment, every answer was already filled in. My name was written in red ink and the last page said, this is the end of the exam. All the answers on your test are correct. You will receive an A. The reason you passed the test is because the creator of the test took it for you. All the work you did in preparation for this test did not help you get the A. You have just experienced grace. Dr. Hufty then went round the room and asked each student, what is your grade? Did you deserve the grade you are receiving? How much did all the studying for this exam help you achieve your final grade? He then said, some things you'll learn from lectures, some things you learn from research, but some things you only learn from experience. You've just experienced grace. Years from now, if you know Jesus Christ as your personal saviour, your name will be written in a book And you will have had nothing to do with writing it there. That is the ultimate grace experience. I thought it was a really great story. I have to say that never happened to me at university. Most of my uh, uh, distress, I don't know if it ever happened to any of you. But this is what we're talking about today. Grace. The idea of grace. That is that God treats believers in Christ far better than they deserve much better than we could ever earn. God treats believers in Christ as his adopted children. 
when in actual fact they just deserve eternal punishment. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for your amazing grace, as we just sang about. Uh, It is a wonderful, astonishing, amazing thing. Lord, as we think about that, uh, Father, we pray that you would uh, allow us to really deeply soak that in, so that it would be a truth deep in our hearts. Lord, we really need to hear from you. Nobody needs to hear from me. Keep me in the background, Lord, and let your words, the words of my mouth, be pleasing to you. Amen. So, uh, last week we thought about the power of God acting in our lives at the end of chapter 1 of Ephesians, and really we've sort of carried on into that, with that idea in one way. Uh, Paul is, has clearly set out talking about God's power, uh, we saw last week, the power that really underlies the, the gospel. Uh, and, it, and it's this week he's really thinking about the thing which, which is the core distinctive, the one thing that is unique for Christianity when you compare it to other religions, and that is grace. Uh, and that idea of grace is what we're going to look at today, along with what it means to live a life of grace. So uh, the first part is called living with the enemy. Paul is once again going off on one, just getting way too excited and giddy. So, so the first part, you'll remember, the first part of Ephesians chapter 1 in the original language was one sentence, where he's just gone, I can't control myself, it's so exciting. Chapter 2, the first ten verses, again, are one sentence in the original language. He's just, he's just brimming over, he can't contain himself, he's repeating himself. Uh, this stuff going on, he's just, just this idea of of grace is so so captivating to him. It's just so just so fills him up so much, um, uh, and it, it, it just it just fills him up. It's so glorious and unique and wonderful and countercultural and precious and, and saving and just getting it down on paper. Well, whether he's dictating it, and someone else getting it down on paper is just so just like oh, I've got to tell you all about it. Uh, but he starts off. He starts off a bit on a bit of a downer in one way, in that he's reminding the, the Christians in the church at Ephesus, and, and all of us as, who are here are Christians, what life was like before we became Christians. What it was like before we came to faith in Christ. And you can see that, because he starts out with, as for you. He's writing to the Christians, as for you. And in verse 2, he then goes on and, and talks about our life before, pray, before faith, and it looks, guys, it looks pretty desperate, doesn't it? Yeah, he says we were following the ways of the world. We were following the world, we were following the ruler of the kingdom of the air, that's another phrase, another word in the Bible for the devil. And in verse 3, all of us were, were gratifying the, the cravings of our own sinful nature, our own how we were, doing what we wanted to do, even though we knew it was wrong sometimes. Those are our, the three enemies. The three enemies of human beings and we were, we were living with them. We were living with the enemy. We were living, with, uh, we're living in the world, surrounded by the world and the world impacting our lives. The devil, as it's saying there, trying to, to influence our disobedience and our own, our own sinful nature. 
Paul says it in verse 3, doesn't it? Doesn't it? All of us lived among them at one time. How many people are included in all of us? All of us. Uh, at one time, that all of us at one time, we were all there. Um, without exception, there is no exception to this. Or perhaps as we were saying last week, perhaps it would be better to say that we were dead amongst them, not that we lived amongst them. In verse 1 Paul says, we were dead in our transgressions and our sins. Again, that picture from last week that we, we thought about of being zombies. You know, live, the living dead like in all the horror movies, you know, uh, walking around. A bit like that. Uh, and also in verse 3 it says, it says that by nature we were objects of wrath. So by nature we were objects of God's anger. Uh, I think a lot of folks struggle with that idea nowadays. Uh, okay, many people accept that they do bad things from time to time. I mean, yeah, most of us would say, yeah. I think most of us would say, yeah, yeah I'm not perfect. I do things wrong every now and again. Uh, those are our sins and our rebellion that he talks about. Uh, fair enough, but I think many people would then object to the idea that by nature their own nature by, by birth they are objects of God's anger the idea that God is very very angry with us not only because of what we have done but because of what we are and that that is unacceptable I think to many people and offensive uh, and this is sometimes called original sin that's what the old phrase for it although I, I don't really you know the idea that sin is original kind of doesn't really work for me because there's nothing original about sin it's been around a long time and it's all been done before so uh, but I can tell you that, that this is something that, that folks struggle with. But, but yeah, human beings didn't used to be like that. When Adam and Eve were first created, that was not the case. They lived in a perfect relationship with God. They lived a life that was uh, blessed. And unfortunately they believed the lies of the devil. Enemy number two up there. He managed to persuade them that you know, maybe what God said wasn't actually true. They ate the fruit of the tree and the impact of that has flowed down to all their children. So that is all of us. Uh, so that we cannot trust God without his help. It's just not in our nature. We're just not like that. Everyone you know Everyone has started off with that nature. All of us at peril of God's anger. It says there, verse 1, we were dead. And the scary thing, the thing that really scares me about that concept is that, is that I didn't even know that. If I'm being honest with myself and I'm thinking about before I was a Christian, I didn't know the danger I was in. I didn't know I was living with those three enemies. I didn't know I was an object of of God's wrath. Did, did you realise if you're here today and you're a Christian? I don't know. Uh, I think many people today uh, who, who got to that point didn't know at that point the peril they were in. And, and the enormity of that, the, 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 the peril, the danger that that represents, didn't actually, I didn't really understand that in full, I probably still don't actually, but I don't think I understood it in full. Till I read 
uh, Matthew chapter 6. Let me just read this for you very briefly from Matthew chapter 6. Don't worry about turning there. Uh, this is verse 23. Listen to, listen to this. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. Let me read that for you again. If your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is your darkness. And that is such a fling, chilling thought. The idea that you think you're full of light, but it's actually darkness. And, and the comment there is, how great is the darkness? How great was my darkness? When I thought I was okay, I thought I was cool. You know, I thought I was quite a nice guy and doing everything okay, and that's all right. But actually, all that stuff was actually darkness. I don't know if you're here today. Maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian. Is that you? Do you think that you're living a life which is actually okay? And you're actually, you know, yeah, I'm quite a good person. But, you know, I'm okay. I'm basically good. My friend, please, because I've lived like that as well, please, I want to be very clear with you. You do not know the danger that you are in. You do not know the peril that you are in. I don't say that to scare you. I don't say that to judge you, because I was there too. I don't say that to force you to say anything. I want to say that to be really, really truthful with you. You are living alongside these three enemies, and all of them would want nothing more than to devour your very soul. Your darkness is very great and you think that it is light. Well, you say, okay, and they're all very well and good. That sounds a bit bit weird, but okay, I'll go with that. I'll, I'll accept what you're saying perhaps, but so what? What is the alternative? What are we, what are we talking about? What we're talking about is that idea? Grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone is the is the what I entitled this next passage. Let's see what it, it, it talks about. This verse four there is uh, it says but so he's putting out the an alternative here. Um, this idea that God did not leave us as it was. Uh, Paul and, and all of us as Christians, God didn't leave us in that state, even though we were living with the enemy. He could have, but he didn't. Why? It tells us there. Because of the fact that God loves us deeply. Deeply, deeply. This was his motivation. What he did, he did that out of love. He did it because he loves us. Bear in mind, we haven't even been born yet. Our parents haven't even been born yet. Our grandparents haven't even been born yet. We, they weren't even a glimmer in their parents' eyes. Um, and yet, from before time, this was God's purpose. That we would be loved and he would save us. How incredible that he sends his son, Jesus Christ, his only son, into the world to die for us. <coughs> As we sang at the beginning, see what a morning gloriously bright. That idea is that as Jesus rise, is risen from the dead, that is an incredible moment in history. 
the moment of history when everything changes, the whole game changes, when those who believe in him are brought to faith through his death and resurrection on Easter morning. How incredible. (coughs) When he talks about God being rich in mercy, those words don't describe that idea. When he talks about being rich in grace, that, that, that is... There should be more words. It should take longer to say that. He's just merciful. He says that he's rich in mercy. He has lots and lots of mercy and he wants to give it away. He's a generous God. He's not rich and he wants to keep it. He wants to give it away. So if you're here and you do not believe that Jesus died to save you, this is the alternative. This description here. Not death. Life. Not darkness, not being surrounded by enemies. Life says God made us alive, even though we were dead in our sins. This is the alternative. Who wants to stay dead? Me, I want to stay dead. <coughs> Ed Yezard does a sketch, I don't know if you've ever seen it, uh, called Cake or Death, where he offers the uh, people, or the fictitious people, the alternative between would you like a piece of cake or do you want death? Uh, I think it's supposed to be with the Spanish Inquisition kind of thing. You know, they're torturing them and say, what do you want, cake or death? You know, and you go, so what do you want, cake or death? You go, cake, please. Okay. Okay. And uh, what do you want, cake or death? Oh, I'll have the cake, please. Okay, cake. I'm going to run out of cake at this rate. What do you want, cake or death? And he's just getting through it. Everyone picks cake. Because who picks death? You know, who picks death? That's the point of the, the sketch. And yet... We do. We pick death by not turning to Jesus. It sounds crazy when you say it that way, but, but that's what's happening. Yeah, we, we pick death. But this is the alternative. God makes us alive by grace, by his grace, by treating us far better than we deserve, like those guys in the exam at the beginning. Uh, And that's a a key moment, a key moment in your life, the idea that you are saved by grace, nothing else. You're not saved by, well, we'll see in a minute, you're not saved by doing things or being something or cleaning your act up or anything like that. We should be punished. We should be punished for all that darkness inside us. And instead, he says, you are my adopted child. I love you. Welcome you. Come and sit in my come and sit at my table. Not just come and sit at my table. Come and sit at the head of my table. We're not even fit to come near God, but because of His grace, He comes near to us through His Son Jesus Christ. We're not fit to even to be in His presence for a moment, not even a second. But because of grace, He says, "Come and live with me forever." And he does all that while we're still sinning, by the way. While we're still, he says, while we've still got a sinful nature, while we're still dead in our transgressions and sin. He does that. He says that even while we were dead in transgressions. Notice it doesn't say he made us alive after we cleaned our act up and sorted ourselves out. It doesn't say uh, he made us alive after we went to church a lot or anything like that. No, it's by grace. It is a gift, a free gift. It's extraordinary. For that that extraordinary thing to happen, the Son of God, when he, you know, all the creation was made through him, he'd come to earth, 
this passage, by the way, wasn't true about Jesus because uh, he had no sin and he had no transgression, so that's not true about him. Uh, he had to die and take all of our sin and shame and lay it down when he laid down his life. What an incredible thought. But he wasn't finished because he was raised from the dead and with Christ we were raised from the dead as we talked about last week. The power of God in our lives is the same power that was used to raise Christ from the dead. Not only that, he was seated at the right hand. We saw that last week. You can see if you just run your eye back up the page to Ephesians 1 verse 20. He said he was put at the Father's right hand. We're raised with Christ. We're sitting at the right hand in that idea. Our identity, all of our identity as Christians <coughs> is being united with Christ. One with Christ. Our link to an eternal God. That, just that act of being raised with Christ is so many things. Man, I wish we could go into that. But... but um, but one thing he's doing is God saying, look how big my grace is. Look how fantastic my grace is. When, when, when the heavenly beings and other beings see what God has done in our lives and how he has raised us with Christ, they're going to go, wow, that is just more grace than I can even get my head round. And so I prayed about uh, God's mercy and love and grace also his kindness no one has deeper kindness than the Father Nobody. Yet, who else who else could forgive such a deep offence we really know how amazing his grace is when we know how great his anger is how great our, our sin is and again verse 8 Paul, Paul emphasises he's already said it he's going to say it again that's what I'm saying this sentence is just running on and on and on he's babbling yeah. Again, he says, you know, Paul emphasises, it is by grace you are saved. Folks, this is the distinctive of our Christian life. This is the difference. This is what it's all about. This is the, this is the point. This makes Christianity different to everything else. That we can only be saved by grace. We can't earn it. It's a free gift from a generous God beyond our imagination. But it's also grace through faith. We sang, uh, we sang in Christ, sorry, excuse me, it's grace through faith in Christ alone. We sang a moment ago, in Christ alone. Our hope is found. It's faith that leads to grace. And because it's not grace through our own efforts, it's not faith through our own efforts. It is a gift. Our faith is a gift as well. We can do as many good things as we want to. The gift of faith leads to grace. Without that, we are dead. And it's not just any random faith, oh yeah, I believe, you know. No, it is faith in Jesus Christ. He said, nobody comes to the Father except through me. <coughs> That outpouring of grace is not going to come from anything else other than faith in Jesus Christ. That's the way it is, folks. I'm sorry if that's an idea that, that is contrary to what people say or that people don't like, but that's how it is. I just want to be really truthful with you. 
when I tell you that, then just say, yeah, this is objective reality. Grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. That's it. You've got that. If you get that concept planted in your heart, you have really, really got the foundation of the Christian faith. It was the platform of the Reformation. If without this idea, we would all still be in Catholic churches. Uh, I mean, obviously, that, I mean, Henry VIII, I don't think, was really bothered about this. He was more bothered about how can I get rid of surplus wives without chopping their heads off. You know, he was looking for another alternative. So, uh, start a new church, then I can divorce them, fine. I don't think he was particularly focused on the idea of this. But I think the people who were advising him were. And so, uh, funny how God's going to use going to use uh, guys who go through six wives in that way to promote his, uh, his church um, so, so yeah this is, just, this is just the basis of everything we can do and it is a free gift if, if any of that sounds strange to you if any of that you're not sure what we mean by that please do not leave here without asking us what that means do not leave here without talking to myself or the other Ian the Christian who brought you, uh, the Christian who's sitting next to you, someone who stood at the front here, we would love to talk to you more about that idea, what that is. But okay, that's uh, grace, fine. We're, hopefully we've got the idea of what that is, but, but so what? You know, I mean, so what? It may save me, but, but what is it? What's it how is it going to help me in my life? You know, how's it, okay, well, it's going to save you, it's going to keep you alive. There's some other things that you need to bear in mind as well that Paul talks about here later on in verse, in verse 9. Uh, where Paul really thinks about some more teaching about grace that we need to know. Uh, really drawing on, on some examples there. there. So, so first of all, the idea that we're not saved by works. says so that in verse, verse 9. Uh, we're not saved by what we do we're not saved by being good not by doing certain things not by not doing certain things yeah. look, God is perfect God is holy how much do you think you have to do to please a perfect God like if you're trying to do it yourself yeah. how much would you actually have to do to fix that relationship with God who is perfect uh, and yet, and yet we, we, I think all Christians at some point fall into this trap of saying, at, at one level, I'm saved by work. So it's like, okay, um, let's be honest. Yeah, there are times when I feel like, you know, ooh, I'm earning an extra God point here. Or, or, or ooh, I'm earning an extra brownie point here when I'm doing that. Or, or ooh, I'm a bit more saved than I used to be. Uh, how does that work? You're either saved or you're not. Uh, and, and, and so, you know, we, we get caught up in that idea of, of works and, yeah, I've got to work hard for God. Certainly we're not supposed to be lazy. That's true. But neither is the pressure on that we have to do that thing right now. If you don't, you are not saved. If you are a Christian... One of my good friends, uh, we, were getting to, we were getting to arguments as a group of folks and we started talking about in church, you know, we should do it this way, we should do it this way. No, we can't do it that way because we have to do this and we can't. And we're really getting up. 
And his friend's a very laid back guy. He would just sort of sit there and sort of go, uh, well, I'm, I'm saved by grace. I, I don't care. You know, do it how you want to. I'm saved. It's all good. And, you know, whatever happens, whatever you do, I'm saved. I'm free. And there's a part of you that sort of goes, that's really irritating when you say that because, you know, we're really trying to fix out what we're going to do here. Another part that goes, spot on, man. You've got that dead right. We are saved by grace. Let's worry a bit less about some of that other stuff. But I think also it's our self-esteem. You know, we're, we're, I mean, I'm a very proud person, I think, and I'm certainly in my own self-esteem. I, I don't... I want to be able to say, at least partly, yeah, I, I helped. I did that. I did part of that. Um, I want to take... But, but you think about that. All that is is me wanting to take some of the glory that belongs to God. Because he's done it all. I've got... It says there, you have no right to boast. I have no right to say I had any part in this at all. And that's the flip side. When people want to say, oh, I'm basically a good person, so I sort of deserve to go to heaven, part of that is saying I can save myself. And that's God's job, not your job. Um, It's totally unearned. Uh, but also, on the other hand, just to go the other way, on the other hand, if you're a Christian, you cannot, neither can you say, I'm not as good as they are. So it actually works the other way around as well. You can't actually say, you can't actually say on the one hand, yeah, I'm, I'm good, that's why I'm going to heaven, but neither can you say, I'm not good enough. This is a quote from Tim Keller, you know we like Tim Keller. Here's a quote from him, which I thought was very good. Uh, The Christian gospel is that I am so flawed that Jesus had to die for me. Yet I am so loved and so valued that Jesus was glad to die for me. This leads to deep humility and deep confidence at the same time. Humility, confidence. It undermines both swaggering and snivelling. I cannot feel superior to anyone and yet I have nothing to prove to anyone. I do not think of myself excuse me, I do not think more of myself nor less of myself. Instead, I think of myself less. So that was a good quote. Um, Also, as an aside on this, and this is maybe for uh, people who are in leadership positions in church, it also means that other people cannot boast. So, uh, we should never be in a position to say, that person was saved because of what we did. Now, we should never be in a position to say, because of that church ministry, or this many people have been saved because of that, that church ministry. Again, we are taking away God's glory at that point. Not saying that we're not supposed to be faithful in our evangelism and ministry, absolutely. Uh, We want to be faithful in proclaiming God's word. And yes, we love seeing people come to faith. But we want all the glory to go to God and not to ourselves. We don't want to be taking his his glory in that way. Uh, But we'll see in a moment where the things that we do for God, the evangelism serving the name next door, helping out in Ruth, whatever, do fit in. But we'll get there in a moment. 
Something else there, if you look in that passage of Ephesians there, is uh, that this is God's workmanship. We are God's workmanship. Uh, I don't often look up the, the Greek stuff for, for, this, for, the, for the Bible passages. I did here, and, and this, is, this language is not just about work. This is not just that we are the product that some, somebody has made, so to speak. Um, this word is more to do with being a, a craftsman or, or someone who's a skilled artist. Paul is saying that this new grace-filled life that we have has been crafted by a, a master. We've been cra- crafted by a, a great artisan. We are, we are a work of art. Uh, I don't know how, I don't know if you've ever seen like a real master at work at something with their hands, you know, making something. Uh, you will know if you ever have because it just looks like total genius, whatever it is. I mean, you just, you're just looking and thinking, that's easy. And not only what they've made, but also how they make it. You know, you're just sitting there going, that is genius. I, I mean, you know, you're just like, oh, how did you do that? Um, and that's the idea here when he's talking about our new life. The new life that we've been made is, is, is workmanship in that idea. We are, we are crafted as, as masterpieces. Um, also, also just, just bear in mind as an aside, we all bear the image of God. So to a certain extent, yeah, it might be looking in a mirror very dimly or through a, in a cracked mirror. You know, we all bear the image of God. That's why human life is so important. We all, in some way, look like God. So when we're thinking about ourselves, we should never think of ourselves as Tim Cole saying, as less than, than worthy in that way. But as we were saying, we're going to talk about, just very briefly, how uh, God does prepare for things to do, and it says there, in advance, but again, be clear, we're still not saved by works. That number three there does not contradict number one. Let me explain, explain why to you. It is not that good works save us. We do good works because we are saved. It is the other way round. The things that we do, the ministries that we help with, helping out with the, the neighbour next door... Uh, talking to our co-worker in terms of evangelism, whatever it is, those aren't done to save us. They don't get us God points to save us. They're the response of being saved. We're so thankful that we've been saved. We're just like, yeah, you've, done, you've given me this grace. You've given me this incredible free gift. How can I use my gifts to help other people? And, and when you think about it, because it is God who's prepared those things for us to do in advance, what's really happening is that God is working through us to do something. And this is the, this is the primary way in which God works in the world. Now, he doesn't, he doesn't really go for the lightning bolt thing. Now, he, he works through us as Christians to achieve things. Okay, so, and what a, isn't that, does that encourage you? I think that's a great idea that God, it pleases God. God get, takes pleasure from us being involved in the process. It gives him joy 
to involve us as he's working out his plan in the world, as he's restoring everything back to the way it was supposed to be. Um, that is uh, an incredible idea. Because he could, he could just do the lightning bolt thing. He could just go, fixed, thank you. But he doesn't. He says, no, I'm, it's gonna, it pleases me to work through these people who I've adopted as my children. Finally here, and this is not so much in the passage, but something I think that is really important. This is the idea of, of preaching the, the gospel, the good news, preaching about grace to ourselves every day. Is that Ian? What are you talking about? That is, that is crazy. What I'm saying is that, that this very foundation, this idea of grace, which is the very foundation of our faith, we need it soaked into all of our pores. We, we need to marinate in it. Uh, we, need, we, need, we need to smell of it. You know, we need, it needs to be totally soaked into us so, so that we really get what this idea of grace is about. And, and part of that is reminding ourselves about it. Uh, I want to suggest to you every day, this is only suggestion, I'm not saying you have to do this, I'm saying I think this is helpful. To have this good news, reminding ourselves about this good news. When the day is good, you know, the day is like we've achieved great things, and we're like, oh yeah, everything's going well, reminding ourselves that grace is a free gift, that we haven't earned it by works. Because I don't know about you, but when I'm feeling that I'm, I'm doing well and I'm successful, that, that save by works thing starts to sneak in a little bit, starts to come in and sort of go, oh, you did well on that one, Ian. That's another God point. No, 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 no. That's when, that's when it starts to sneak in. So if I try and remind myself of that, hopefully that can fight off. But also, um, when I'm feeling a bit little, you know, a little self-righteous, <laughs> yeah. you know, reminding myself, look, I lived with those three enemies. I was with the world and the flesh and the devil and I didn't know. I did not realise. I was dead in my sin and transgression. But also when we sin and we, let's face it folks, we sin every day, how much when we're asking for forgiveness and we're thinking to ourselves, you know, I don't know that God can forgive me that. That was really dumb. You know, I've just done that again and I only did it two days ago. And I know how angry it makes God. Again, preaching to ourselves that God is rich in mercy and in grace. That he has storehouses of forgiveness that he has not even opened up for us yet. He has so much forgiveness going on. But also when we're surrounded by pain, surrounded by pain in our life, when it just seems to be piling up that we are alive in Christ we are not dead anymore we are not dead in our sins we are alive, we are secure he has our eternal destiny safe and he loves us he loves us so much he sent his son to die for us that's how much and if you're here today and you're not a Christian, I want to challenge you to preach this good news to yourself. I want to challenge you to preach that to yourself, the good news about Jesus, for the first time.
I want to challenge you to put your trust in him, to leave behind those three enemies and to live and not to be dead anymore. Let's pray together.